0: Welcome to Book Hoots, Cambridgeshire Libraries podcast. I'm Rosie, a member of the library development team, and in this episode we're talking to author Ellie Griffiths. Ellie's well known for her Ruth Galloway series set in Norfolk, A Brighton Mysteries, Stranger Diaries and Postscript Murders. What you may not know is that Ellie has just published her third school story about Justice Jones. Hi Ellie, and thank you so much for agreeing to talk to us today, you
1: well? Yes, I'm fine, Rosie. It's really lovely to talk to you. I I only wish it could be in real life, but it's still lovely to talk to you on Zoom. Well, one day, who knows
0: what will happen? Um, Just to sort of introduce you as if people don't know who you are, but obviously I think people will know you best for your Ruth Galloway books, um, obviously. And a lot more people will will know you because of the Stevens and Mephisto, or as they're called, maybe the Bright Mysteries, or the Magic Men. They've got a lot of names, those guys. And then, obviously, people will have got in touch with your work with Stranger Diaries and with PostScript Murders. But then we have Justice Jones. And I really, really want us to talk about Justice Jones, because I think it might be a new direction for a lot of people who are really used to your work. And I know we've got an interest in this sort of thing. So really,
1: just to start out, can you just tell us where this idea came from? Oh, it's so lovely to be able to talk about justice. Yes. Um, So, yeah, as you say I'm kind of probably better known for uh, the the Ruth Galloway Mysteries and and other books. But one day I was on a train and uh, as I used to be quite a lot in, in the old days of sort of touring around the country, still remember our lovely tour of Cambridgeshire Libraries. Uh, with William Shaw and, and the fun we all had, anyhow. So I was on a train. I think it might have been between. I seem to remember it was sort of flat countryside. So I think it was between maybe um, uh, Norwich and stuff, somewhere like that. Anyhow, I looked out the window and I suddenly thought of the name Justice. And I thought, wouldn't that be a good name? And what sort of person would have the name Justice? And I thought, well, maybe um, maybe somebody whose whose father or mother was a lawyer. And then I suddenly thought of a girl aged twelve called Justice Jones, whose father was a lawyer and whose mother might've been a crime writer. And I thought, oh, she's 12. You know how that sort of thing comes to you. Maybe this is a children's story. So I started to write it down and it's about a girl called Justice. First one's called A Girl Called Justice, um, who goes away to boarding school for the first time in 1936. And you know how you're not ever quite sure what you're writing. And I'd almost gone halfway through the book before I thought, oh, My mum went to boarding school for the first time in 1936. She was, um, like Justice, a single parent. She was brought up by her dad, who was an actor, in fact. And I thought, wow, Justice is my mum, uh, and she's not exactly, but really her, her experiences are a bit like my mum's. Uh, like my mum, Justice had never been away to school before, she's sent to school at age 12 when her mother dies, and, and the first scene in, in the first book, a girl called Justice, is her driving to this school, um, it's in a taxi, and this terrible sort of looming gothic tower appears, and uh, that's the school, and she says to the taxi driver, oh, um, do, do you come to this school often and he said no but I don't know I'm doing this voice but let's stick with it no but my brother drove out here last week and she says oh is he a taxi driver no he's the undertaker so there's been a murder at the school so that was the start of Justice Jones
0: (gasps) do you know I've read it but I want to read it again now oh
1: good (laughs) Yeah, I mean,
0: it's just, you were talking about this when you came to Cambridgeshire, and I I didn't, I don't think I had a copy then, and I got one and devoured it, because I will read anything that is a school story. Colleagues within Cambridgeshire, no, you can start me off, and I will continue to go for ages. Um, And I just absolutely adored it. As an aficionado of the genre, I loved it, because you can read it on a level where you're picking out, oh, Mallory Towers. Shelley school Ooh. Yes, there a turrets yes yes turrets yes. north tower south tower all that sort of oh evil matron and it was you know it was a real joy to read on that level but just as a story on its own it really really i just sailed away with it thoroughly enjoyed it and then obviously when book two came out straight on the list for that one and absolutely it, it was even better actually ellie and I was just refreshing that, that on the plot, I mean, the old guy and the new matron and oh, just, I mean, everything, I mean, really pacey and really racy. So, I mean, I would assume you've had an awful lot of good feedback about them so far.
1: Oh, it's so lovely to hear you say that, because I, I know that you are um, an aficionado of school stories and a big fan, as I am of Chalet School and Inna Blyton and, and that whole genre of stories, so uh, it's, it really means a lot that you like the books, and I do think, obviously, um, they're kind of a nine to 12-year-olds middle grade, is what, what they call that age group now, Just changed since we were both in children's publishing, I think, um, but do you know, I think it, they are actually, for anyone who just enjoys a good murder, in, in a sort of closed world, like, like a boarding school, which is an absolute, you know, godsend for a crime writer, especially a sort of boarding school in the middle of a marsh like a justices school I do like a marsh obviously they come into the the Ruth books a bit so I do actually think that they they do appeal to anyone who likes a good murder so I have had um quite really lovely feedback I mean it's been lovely going to schools again when such things were allowed it's given me a whole new lease of life because you know as a publisher and, and we both worked in children's publishing we often went into schools it was lovely to do that again and and lovely and quite scary to face a sort of audience of children so that was amazing and only yesterday there was a lovely school that had had a competition for their favorite um book and they came up with a girl called justice and those sort of things are so lovely but also I have a, had a really nice feedback from kind of my my adult fans you know fans that sounds terrible adult readers um who who have really really enjoyed the books you know and it's just like a, justice is kind of like a young Ruth in a way.
0: Absolutely and you know you sort of touched on the books you you've read um and so what would you say growing up which sort of school stories had really stuck with you and sort of given you a framework?
1: Well, I was a fan of, of uh, Mallory Towers. And as you say, Justice's School has both Towers and Turrets. So, you know, obviously there's a bit of Mallory Towersism going on there. Also, like older books, sort of, like sort of before my time, in a way, so Jolly School, I really liked. And also those Angela Brazil books, mainly about the fourth by Nancy Briley. But also I was a huge fan, I don't know if we've ever talked about this, of Jennings and Derbyshire. And I absolutely love those stories about two boys, about a prep school. I don't think I even knew what a prep school was. But they're amazingly written books um, by Anthony Buckridge, uh, who was a really fantastic person, actually. and Interestingly, his granddaughter, great-granddaughter Michelle Buckridge, is a crime writer, uh, also very good. And and so these books are fantastic. There's a scene in them that I never forget where Jennings and Derbyshire uh, decide to write a crime novel. And they decide to write a crime novel together and they think of the name for their detective and they decide that all detectives have names that are have um, a two syllable first name and a single syllable second name. So they come up with flicks and slick super sleuth. And I always think about that when I, when I'm thinking of character names, Flicks and slick, Super Sleuth. And funnily enough, when the, the, um, my, my publishers for the Justice books, the first cover, I think says on it, Super Sleuth. So I thought, Oh, I've made it. I've got my own Super Sleuth. So yeah, Jennings and Derbyshire that, you know, I've read them, reread them as an adult. I uh, like you. I love rewriting, re-reading children's books and they are just as funny. They are laugh out loud funny.
0: I'd never thought of reading the Jennings and Derbyshire. I did get close to them, but never thought to read them. But what you've reminded me of, P.G. Woodhouse, Mike at Rickin, and Mike and Smith with the Silent P. Oh, yes, Smith, yes, yes, yes. They were boarding school s- stories as well. I just adored that world. I mean, I-, I just love his world anyway, Jeeves Buster, the whole thing. But so many people have sort of... I mean, it was a huge, huge business, the sort of first half of the last century, school stories. I mean, they must have sold them by the shelf. Everybody, I mean, the Dimsey books. Have you ever read any of the? No, Dimsey I don't books? think I have. Oh, Dimsey and her anti-Soppist League <laughs> were against all things soppy. And it was the Jane Willard Foundation. It was quite a strange school. But I've got all of those tucked away in the cupboard somewhere upstairs as well. Um, but yeah really interesting all of them taking children out away from the home environment where they ran their own societies and you know you had the nasty ones, the sneaky ones, the ones that were good at sport um, or the, the timid ones. Um, I, uh, For me and I don't know whether you've read any of her work, Antonia Forrest is an absolute pillar of the genre I mean, her Marlowe family stories, some are set at a girls' boarding school, some are at home in the holidays, some, are, and she just, whenever she wrote one, she set it in the time she was writing. So the early ones were the 1940s, just after the war. And then they get to the swinging 60s and hipster clothes and a change <laughs> of money, but always believable, always, because she was writing about the time she was in, but the characters and, you know, the way she sort of takes apart. This the baddie in the first few books. This sixth former called Lois. um Is it Sanger or Sangster? Can't remember now. And and she is a manipulative, and vicious older girl who just doesn't like the young twins because she's a rival with their older sister who's going to be games captain. And she does everything she can to get these twelve-year-old twins into trouble. And this war carries on for years through school year and school year. And it and some of the themes she covers are amazing. So if you haven't Read any of Antonia Forest. I can really recommend it. I have
1: read some, but a long time ago. And you have maybe want to go back to them. And it's reminding me as well that they didn't really shy away from some quite dark things, did they? I mean, even if you think about um, Mallory Towers, the, the girl who goes swimming and and ends up sort of dashed against the rocks, and uh, her, her uh, athletic career is kind of ruined. And th- there are some bits that are quite dark aren't they really and i always think as well that um and, um Enid blighton was a crime writer really um and if you think about the famous five and the secret seven there is a crime there isn't there it's not usually murder it's theft from a post office van or something but i do remember i don't know if you've read the Rillaby fair mysteries and that it's a really good one it's it's i think there are only a few books about this set of children and uh there's a very good crime novel there and there's a scene where they go to the house at night someone always has to do that justice is always doing that in my books and uh, there are all these um stuffed toys there in the in the grounds and their glass eyes glittering and it's a very scary scene and it's a very clever clue so yes I think I think there are, there's maybe hidden crime novels in a lot of those school books maybe do you think I think you're right. I mean, the first book I
0: ever owned was um, The Mystery of the Disappearing Cat, Enid Blyton.
1: And Um, that's a mystery. It's all there in the title. Excellent title. The policeman, Theophilus Goon. (laughs) Oh, yes. The police don't get a good rap, really, in Enid Blyton's books, do they? Yes. No, I mean,
0: looking back, the inspectors were always jolly nice and thought the children were marvellous, but the police officers were always very common and working class. Well, there, there,
1: is. there is that snobbery there, isn't yes. there, that you can even see in sort of Victorian literature and sort of Sergeant Cuff in the Moonstone, how he's treated by the family and how he's neither quite below stairs or, or one, of, one of the uh, aristocrats. So, there, yes, there, there definitely is that. And the sort of idea that an amateur would always do better Yes. Than, than the sort of uh, bumbling police officer it is there. Definitely, it was there in real life and is there in the literature.
0: And he was written quite viciously, if you think about it. Yeah, as you say, she didn't pull any punches. If It was very obvious who you were, were to like and who you were not to like. But, yeah, I mean, it's really, really interesting. Um, sort of going on from that, did you see the TV adaptation of Mallory Towers? Yeah, I thought it was really good, didn't you? Yeah, I did. I mean, they they smooshed a lot of books into the one scene, yeah. which and then they invented a bit. And the purists would say, "Well, that didn't happen," but yeah, it was really well done. And I thought the the look of it was beautiful.
1: Yes, yes. Why do you think? Because it does seem to be a bit of an interest game. Because as you were saying, there was definitely a golden age in in school stories, as there was in crime writing. And but now I think. You know, people like Robin Stevens and Chana Jackson, people like that, writing there. But why do you think there's a there's a new interest in school stories? As a, I
0: don't know. Do you think it's it's about taking, as you just said, taking the the children away from an adult sphere? I mean, yes, there are still adults there, but they're at a distance. And it's all about it's always been about children being in charge of their own world and having to sort their own problems out. And you know, just. Making their own way, finding their own place and how they get along with people that they don't get on with. Um, They may be bullied. There may be people that are just not nice to them. You can't like, there's so many messages in there. I really don't know. I mean, it would be lovely to know. Or whether, mm, now this is a thought, going back to the early days, the 20s, when Angela Brazil and um, Eleanor Brent Dyer were writing, you know, women didn't really have much of a place in the world. Maybe, you know, we'd just come out of the First World War, women had worked in factories, but it was quite empowering for them. You know, had schools run by women, schools that moved across the continent and just started up and built a clientele. Yes. And, you know, women dealing with all sorts of adventures. And, and maybe there was an element of that to it then.
1: You know, time's gone by, we can't ask them. That's, so, that's such an interesting point, Rosie, and it's true, isn't it? Because these worlds are sort of, if, if we're talking about girls' school stories, they're, they're run by these very powerful women who, who do, as you, you said, like in the Shelley School stories, go up a mountain and set up a school. And, and you know, um, I do remember somebody saying to me, another writer actually, Karen Slaughter, saying to me that in her childhood growing up in America, she loved libraries because they were full of powerful women. Because, you know, it's often women working in libraries and they're very powerful and that's their realm, as you know, as a, as a librarian yourself, you know. So I wonder if that if that's true as well, you know, that there are these, uh, you know, power, powerful women and and really good role models, really, you know. I, I think there could be something in it.
0: Um I did, and it's the same theme, but it, not a school story. I, I read a proof of a book called um, Cecily um, the other week. And... It is Cecily Neville, um, the mother of King Edward IV, Richard III. And in her notes at the back, um, the author, whose name was in my mind, has just eluded me, senior moment, but she said that these women, these heads of these noble families in Middle Ages, really, they ran their family, they ran multiple households. By and large, they ran the local village attached to their household, their husbands would have a retinue, they'd have an army, and she's, you know, they'd be having babies practically every year. Um, and they'd be responsible for the budget, the feeding of these people. She said, in common-day parlance, these women had it all. And they now, in these days, would be the equivalent of a CEO of a, a footsie
1: company so true as you think of people like Bess of Hardwick and you know uh, uh, and Elizabeth Woodville and these powerful also um I was thinking of nuns they, they weren't doing the having the children bit but but you know I think even in those times being being a nun could be a chance to be a very powerful person you know if you were if you were the, the mother of a of a convent. Well, well, I mean, you were very powerful, weren't you? And I think there there have been, I think, some some non-detectives. I'm trying to think of some. But uh, think of Antonia Fraser's Quiet as a Nun is a very good uh, crime novel set in a um, convent. But yes, those women were very powerful too. And again, it's something about the closed world, isn't it? You know, that, and I think maybe that's why. There's some really good um, sort of... Uh, children's crime at the moment because I've set mine in the 30s partly because I think of this link with my mum and I was thinking of Robin Stevens books also set in the 30s but have you read Sharna Jackson's high-rise mysteries
0: because they're
1: amazing not crime yet. novels that are set in very much in a kind of brutalist tower block um in the middle of London and and two sisters two black sisters and black women are very underrepresented in crime fiction generally particularly in in, in children's crime and the, the, Nick and Norva and they're just amazing characters I think you really like those books
0: I think I probably would and I shall be digging them out you see it's always <laughs> good to get recommendations um, one of the ones that always stuck with me, and I can still see the cover, it was the first book I ever borrowed from a library when I was about seven, and it was um Charlotte Sometimes, Penelope Farmer.
1: That's a great book. Yes. Great time shift book,
0: isn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely. I mean, girl boarding school, she goes to she goes to bed mid-second world war in a boarding school. She wakes up in an at the same bed in the same school in the first world war.
1: Gosh, i'm wanting to reread that as a matter of fact i'm writing just so justice three is out now um got the ghost in the garden and uh, i'm writing book four now and that's second world war she's got to the second world war so i must reread that how fascinating yeah yes, yes it was such i, I remember really so uh, what's the other time she Put the set where she goes back to tudor times oh oh alison uh, is alison utley, is it alison utley? We'll remember
0: in a bit. We will. It will come to us. But, you know, people might scurry off and do some research. Yes. yes. Let's leave, leave it out there as a teaser. <laughs> and help us out. Yeah. I know the one you, I can picture the cover. Yeah. Yeah. Because I can. they were very sketchy. They used to have an oval with a pastel outline and a sketch. Yes, I can picture it. But sadly, that's not going to come to me today. <laughs> I didn't think.
1: Um, Something so, in uh, time. No, I, I'll stop. I'll stop guessing.
0: Yeah. Child in time. Hard
1: in time.
0: yeah we're going to drive time. ourselves mad let's let's, yeah, we will. let's, not, let's <laughs> not drive everybody else mad as well and then going back to nuns and I think you're right about the, the closed societies um there is a book coming out and it's a girl's school story and it features nuns and ducks and cake you've sold me a ma- already you know that's amazing Yep, and it's Daisy Mae Johnson, whose Twitter handle is at Chalet Fan, so you know she's with us. Oh, yes, exactly. She's one um, of us. I read a, a galley proof of it, and it's called How to Be Brave, and it's about a girl. She has to go to boarding school because of her family circumstances. There's a big mystery going on, but the nuns are called Good Sisters. And they're really not really religious nuns at all. And it's just such a take. And what I absolutely loved, drove me mad on an iPad where the, I was reading the galley proof. She does the footnotes at the bottom of the page with the little number in the text. And that is just pure Brent Dyer, isn't it? It really is. And it, as an aficionado, you read it. And again, you're spotting little bits. But it actually works as a reading list of classic children's reads. How to be brave. I must How read to be that. Brave. Daisy May, Daisy Mae Johnson. And I from what I gather on Twitter, her life's ambition is for someone to turn Brent Dyer's Chalet School in Exile into a film. Oh. That's
1: all she wants in life. But that would be amazing. has nobody ever done it? Has nobody ever televised them? Nope. Because of course we know that Val McDermott's also a big chalet school fan, isn't she? She is, didn't she? Go on Mastermind. And I think yes. I mean, she won, didn't she? She won um, Mastermind. She's an amazing quizzer. I mean, she's a brilliant woman. Um, yeah, I think Eleanor Brent, the Shalies School books, were her specialist subject. I'd be wrong, but I think it's right. I think you might be right. Yeah. So again, there's that link, isn't there, between crime novels and and there's school stories. You know, there's there's something in it. There's something in there that's a real that's that's a real link somewhere. There's a study
0: waiting to be done. There isn't there.
1: Yes. Yes. Yeah.
0: Now, definitely. if only I'd known that. If only I'd read crime novels. I didn't start reading crime until I was pregnant with my first child. I don't know what that says about him or me. <laughs> um, but I did my university dissertation on the rise and fall of the girls' school story. Now, wouldn't have been better if it was drawing parallels and
1: comparisons. But still, that sounds fascinating. You know, I wrote my dissertation on. Um, crowded rooms in victorian fiction because that there are very many crowded rooms in victorian literature and i said and this was you know obviously years and years ago way before i'd written a crime novel that that because rooms were so crowded in victorian times um the crime novel had to appear because the first crime novels appeared in the 19th century um to to sort of um Find your our way through the through the muddle that was inside the houses. So you had to have detectives and you had to have clues and you had to have this sort of domestic life, you know, and um, and and a clues to find a way through it. So it's funny how, but both of us were already interested in those subjects then, really.
0: We can't be alone, can we? We can't no. be the only two people. There must be people who who don't think we're unusual, I think. No, like.
1: no. And and you know, re- people who, who love reading have all, of, always loved reading, always, haven't they? And read all sorts of things. So yeah, definitely. I'm sure we're not alone.
0: Absolutely. And and what I do like, sort of harking back to justice, I like the fact that, as in your all your other work, you're building an ensemble cast. I like that and I like the world and it's it's a world you can see I think they're very visual have you been
1: approached not for, for these books no and I think um you know I'm, I'm always in talks to various people about the, the Ruth books maybe going on tv and that's always kind of ongoing things but I wonder if you know children that age solving murders is still a bit difficult to do on television I don't know but thank you for that though because it's what I love doing is creating a sort of world and of course, you've got Justice, and now you've got her friend Stella and a friend Dorothy, who's a maid at the school, and all, all the other people there, and all the group of barn owls that the, the people who share the dormitory. And I really do like that, I really do like that. world. of course, then you can do what I did in book three, which is you can have a newcomer. And they are, you know, this instantly throws everything off kilter and and Everyone has to recalibrate and readjust to this newcomer, especially Letitia, who is in book three, who doesn't really stick to the rules, even less than Justice does. So that 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 is is really good fun. I must admit, I I really love writing these books. Partly, I think because I just love you know literature for, for that age group, and I love writing about schools, and, and because possibly because Justice reminds me of my mum, who did fun enough. My mum wrote wrote stories herself that little spy novels because she was living through the war of course and uh my mum's name was Sheila Nan Laws and she wrote about a, a character called Nan Laws and the, the person who did the wonderful illustrations of justice on the books is called Nan Lawson isn't that nice
0: spooky it's
1: quite spooky isn't That's it
0: quite spooky yes I mean but there is that we know there are chances there are coincidences. you come across them every day but they always make you stop and think What's the chance of that yes, happening? Well, well, what about us meeting again? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, that was that was just a chance conversation at a publisher's day, wasn't it? And you decided there was space at our table and we didn't look too unfriendly. You said, could I sit here? And by way of the blessed Val McDermott, we worked out, we both worked for the same publisher. Yeah, so
1: we'd both worked for HarperCollins Children's Books. We both loved the Shelley School. We both worked on them. Um, and yeah, that, that was so funny. So we've had, we do, you know, have that history that goes back to, to, now I, you know, both, both used to work in publishing and both worked on the Shalit School books. And I, we were talking about that really famous moment where uh, the Shalit School books had to be, at, we did a new edition, didn't we? And, and going back through the old editions to see if anything needed sort of modernizing. And one of the things was that there's a scene where, they get, they're always getting lost, aren't they? And um, yes. They get lost in the mountains. And uh, Jo is, is there with, with the three uh, uh, triplets. Um, and uh, the mother and the, her children are lost in the mountains. And to cheer them up, she gives them all a cigarette.
0: That was the first thing you said to me. That's how, that's how we got into our conversation. <laughs> yes, yeah, there are some quite interesting things. There's a lot of chat at the moment about um, the abundance of eligible young doctors. In the chalet school series everybody manages to marry a doctor yes. and of course the school is always in tandem with the sanatorium and I mean even I didn't know what a sanatorium was so you know it's they started out in the 1920s when an awful lot of people had tb and had to go to the mountains
1: and be outside yes in the mountains yes. it's yeah. a bit like in at the end of Mallory Towers don't all the girls go to St Andrews University for some strange yes, reason. Study creative and, writing and be authors or you know, things like that. They it's all good. and they're at a Cornish boarding school and they literally go to the other end of the country to go to university. And Daryl Rivers, who who is the, the heroine of the wasn't that the name of Ina Blyton's boyfriend, I think. I think I, mean, I think her husband was. Her husband, yeah. yeah. So It's kind of weird, Oh, who are we to judge? Maybe not weird, but it is interesting that she named her schoolgirl heroine after her husband.
0: There's another study waiting to be done.
1: I think think. so, definitely. Don't you think people were more resilient
0: to travel in those days? And and, and a large part of a lot of boarding school stories is the train journey. Getting on a train and going fast. Nobody ever went locally to school, did they?
1: That's so true, and you get that... In Harry Potter, too, don't you? Absolutely. Oh, yes. She did embrace in those books a lot of those traditions, didn't she? The the journey to school, the train, the tuck box, the the, the talk about food, you know. That's all there, isn't it, really? The the, the new teacher appears at every beginning of every term. That's all there in those books.
0: It is, and what I think she's done, J.K. Rowling, is she's introduced the whole genre. Mm,
1: Yes, you're probably right.
0: Because, you know, they came out late 90s uh, when my two were quite small. And, you know, how many kids late 90s would think, I'm going to read a boarding school story? And I think she's just opened the whole thing up to they're not. I mean, some of them are a time capsule. Some of them are timeless. Um, but yes, very, very interesting. And it's just got such a lure. The whole, the whole. if it's your thing, if you don't like school stories, this this chat is going to be torture, isn't it? <laughs> And this was the day Cambridge Libraries tortured Ellie Griffith's readers. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but, you know, just give them a go. But I think you're really right about them. You think back to the days when we were in children's publishing until Harry Potter came along and he did come along in our time and Papa Collins didn't publish them. Um, but we wouldn't have guessed that the next big thing would be school stories, would we? That wasn't where we were at that point, I don't think. We weren't, but we did acquire all of the
0: rights from Chambers, didn't we, to do the, the new paperbacks? In, yes, yes. Well, true. I was there 80s, 90s. I mean, there'd been the old Armada editions around for years, but we did all the new editions and compilations. Yes, I
1: suppose that's um, true.
0: So they must have bought them in for a reason. And I mean, I was I was the standing expert which, you know, they sell, right? Any targets, give them to her. She's the rep. She'll sell them. Um, and, you know, if anybody wanted to know anything about the Shalley School, they used to consult me. It was very flattering.
1: Well, you know, it's, it's a very... It's, it's as we know now, a subject that could have won you Mastermind. Yeah, do you know I doubted, Ellie? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think my time has gone on that one. And anyway, Val McDermott beat me to it. But, yeah, it's just... It is it's an engrossing genre which can be just thrown away as fluff and when you start looking into a lot of the themes um and the background and the the undertow it's a lot deeper than people think um there's a lot all human life is there really isn't it um i don't know how successful i think there was a little rush of 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 S- stories I used to collect a group of stories uh, about a boarding school in Cornwall again called Trebizon by Anne Digby and I adored those books they were quite modern and Rebecca was going to be a tennis star and as they got older they had boyfriends and I absolutely adored them but it's really hard to find a trace of them now Trebizon rings a real bell yes and it's yes. Um, Rebecca Mason she used to she used to. She was on the the LTA's development program for ten.
1: Oh, <laughs> how interesting! Much.
0: Yes, yes, and and one of her friends was called Tish, which, which <laughs> was
1: really quite funny.
0: But uh, yeah, it's it's interesting. But it seems like a lot of not all of the ones from the early days have stood the test of time,
1: but quite a few of them have. Yes, and yes, and I think um. They, they they do still have that sort of pull i loved nancy Brierly, mainly about the fourth um but, but i've been ever, haven't been able to find any more of her books but um yes they're so funny and there's 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 real wit as well and i think people also like i think i was always drawn to to the relationships and to the to the little group little gang um and you know as we were saying earlier a lot of these writers didn't didn't shy away from the fact that that there were nastinesses in those little gangs as well but you know that there's that and there's sort of the midnight feast and there's being a a little group you know um and the, and the book that I'm writing at the moment, which is Justice 4, of course, that they're they're isolated in their school and, the, and there's a war on. And uh, not to give spoiler alert, but what's happened to Justice School is what happened to my mum's school in that a boys school was evacuated to the same site. Mm. So that's quite exciting, isn't it? Shocking.
0: Really shocking. I know. I know. Mm. I know the probably the last thing I really want to sort of run past you I mean you're embedded with your fellow crime writers and it's a really supportive um group I can see that I can see that from all of the work you do with other crime writers what's their reaction been to justice
1: oh that's a really nice question yeah it's such a funny thing isn't it um because crime writers i say always to myself are really nice and we are really supportive of each other usually it's quite collegiate you know, and, established writers like Val McDermott and Peter James were very good to me when I was starting out. And you know, really nothing in it for them to support the new writer, but they they all they all did. And yeah, I have lots of crime writing friends, particularly good friends with, with Leslie Thompson and William Shaw, who who live nearby, and we're a little crime trio. It's been really interesting seeing their reactions. And I sent the first uh, justice book to Leslie and she loved it. And she said, Oh, um, I, I feel like um I feel like I'm 13 again. And so she really sort of embraced it. And a lot of my sort of crime-writory friends who write quite much, much, darker stuff than I do really because although although my novels I wouldn't say they're cozy and that there is crime and there are dark things in them as you know I don't go for sort of too much violence and so it's mainly sort of suggested but people who write you know some lovely friends of mine who write some very bloodthirsty things have really liked the justice books. so that's been very nice actually people have been very very good about them and um I was talking to a, a crime writer friend, and, and they, they said, Listen to me, Peter's playing the bark. And I thought, What do you mean? And that's a code from the Justice Book. So she'd been reading the Justice Book. So, uh, yes, and um, yeah, Laura Wilson, who, who is a really um, great crime writer, also, you know, big fan of sort of children's literature. She likes them too. so... That has been very nice actually very unexpected uh, to, to, to have them embraced by my bloodthirsty fellow writers.
0: I can yeah I can concur I've read everything by Leslie and by William and William has one book where as he admits himself it's a bit too stabby. Um, I didn't sleep for weeks. I, I, I had to message him and say, what are you doing to this poor man? Is there going to be anything of him left? And he said, yeah, it was a bit stabby. They also seem to like the odd school story, so that's nice we, we should challenge them really, shouldn't we? We should challenge them to have a go at a school story and see what
1: they come up with. We so should. In fact, we, in fact you know, wouldn't it be great to see, that? Leslie did a very good short story about Stella, her main character, when she was young. But wouldn't it be quite fun to see rebus at school or um vera at school we should oh, do
0: vera that would be amazing wouldn't vera she would be, be amazing Yeah, she'd be really twisty wouldn't she
1: she would <laughs> also be the person whose school uniform was never quite right and was always her hat was on skew with and she would always be that person or or you know Karen Perry from from Val McDermott's books that'd be or um Williams Alex Cupidy. What would she have been like at school? And then you would have got her parents, who we also know from his previous book. So I, I feel this is a good idea.
0: Well, hopefully.
1: Hopefully it's not just us. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it would be good, though, wouldn't it? You know, you could do prequels. Well, well, maybe we've just given half the world a new publishing idea. Yes. And maybe they think we've gone too far down the wormhole.
1: Maybe they, maybe they do. But, you know, in, in children's literature, going down a rabbit hole is often a good idea. Well, there is a precedent for it, isn't there? <laughs> yes.
0: Right, so I think that's got us to a nice logical rounding off spot. So all that remains is to say thank you so much for indulging me because you have indulged me. There's not many people would basically encourage me with my, my knowledge, my, my long tucked away knowledge. <laughs>
1: of school stories. It's been <laughs> so much fun, Rosie. It's been brilliant. And and you are, you know, you are really a uh, an encyclopedia of school stories.
0: Thank you so much. That that has been absolutely wonderful. And thank you for being a supporter of Cambridgeshire Libraries and our new podcast where this is appearing. So you're an invitation you supporting group. me as well. You're very, very welcome. Thank you so much. Thank you. Ali and I really enjoyed our conversation. We had a few memory lapses, so just in case we left you pondering, the character in Antonia Forrest's Kingscote stories is Lois Sander. Alison Utley's book is a traveller in Time. Cecily is written by Annie Garthwaite. And Ina Brighton's husband was Daryl Waters, so we weren't too far off. Thank you for listening and do look out for more episodes. Book Hoots is produced by Cambridgeshire Libraries.